Welcome to The Balance. I'm Catlin Tucker, and this is a mini episode. It's an Ask Catlin, and I have Noelle Gutierrez joining me again for this episode on the whole group rotation. So I've collected a bunch of questions that have come in about this blended learning model, and Noelle and I are going to chat about them. So welcome, Noelle. Thank you for having me, Catlin. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So um, I want to talk about whole group rotation today, definitely. So how is the whole group rotation different from the station rotation model? I know a lot of teachers want to know that. Yes. So the first, let's start with station rotation. So station rotation does exactly what the name suggests. There are a series of stations or learning activities in the classroom and students rotate through them. Typically, it's composed of a teacher-led station, at least one online station, but multiple is okay as well, and at least one offline station, but you might have more of those as well too. So students are moving through the stations in small groups and teacher has the time to work with that dedicated small group at the teacher-led station. The whole group rotation is when the entire class rotates between online, offline, online, offline learning activities. So it's really the whole group rotating as opposed to the small group rotation that happens in a station rotation. Okay. Well, how is the whole group different than from the teacher, the traditional teacher-led lessons? Yeah. So it's really about intentionality, right? So in a traditional teacher-led whole group model, the teacher tends to control and like dictate the parts of the lesson from the front of the room. And they do not usually have time to work with individual or small groups of learners. So when we're talking about utilizing the whole group rotation, which I should say, so initially this began and it was called the lab rotation. And the idea with the lab rotation is that the students were going to rotate between a classroom where they would do the offline learning activities and a computer lab where they did the online learning activities. So when I read or when I wrote Blended Learning in Action, I was like, we don't need to rotate in and out of computer labs anymore. We have a lot of classrooms that are one-to-one or they have, you know, a device cart that kids have access to. So let's update this model and call it the whole group rotation. But in order for it to be different from like your traditional teacher-led whole group lesson, we have to be thinking about where in this whole group rotation do students have more control over time, place, pace, path of learning. And typically in a whole group, we're really focusing more on pacing and path of the of the learning in terms of giving choices to students. So when they're working offline, ideally we're giving them opportunities to engage with each other in tactile, experiential, social learning, right? All those learning activities that really benefit from peer-to-peer human interaction. The online learning moments can be used to allow students more flexible pathways through the learning experience. So maybe they are trying to acquire new information and we give them options to read an article or watch a video or listen to a podcast to acquire that information and give them the chance to kind of self-pace through that experience. Pausing, rewinding, rereading, rewatching, re-listening, that gives them more opportunities to make sense of, to kind of consume and process that new information in a way that works for them. We might also use that online time for work with personalized programs where they are kind of making progress at a pace that works for them. They have a pathway custom 
customized to their particular performance or skill set. And ideally, when we have learners in that online rotation mode, the teacher is then free to pull individual and small groups of learners to work directly with them, right? So they're really maximizing that online learning time. So for me, that's a real, those are really important differences between kind of that whole group rotation and what we think of as that teacher led whole group model. Right. So you're saying that the whole group rotation then will help teachers differentiate or personalize the learning in a couple of those different ways. Yes. Yes. And hopefully we're building meaningful choice into that for students as well, right? Giving them opportunities to make key decisions through those types of lessons. So I know um, for your listeners, I met Catlin several years ago. You worked with our district, I think, for like two and a half, three years. Yeah. And came in. So she came in and uh, did some fantastic PDs. And then our district hired her to coach um, all of our secondary English language arts teachers. Mm-hmm. But I know at one of the trainings that you gave before the coaching Um, you were introducing the whole group rotation and I saw some fantastic lessons where teachers really were like being intentional about what they were giving the students. And so when it was a seventh grade English teachers, two of them actually worked on a lesson together and they even did a choice board in there. Mm -hmm. So, so when they went to the um, online part, the students were given a choice board for a specific task and they were given three opportunities, three different ways to complete that task. And they really did like it. I love that. The teachers then working with the teachers, then I watched teachers like pulling kids aside for a couple minutes to work with them one on one. Yep. So are there other any other ways that you can really help with differentiation or personalized learning through whole group rotation? I really think the the online learning moment, whether it's what the kids are actually doing online or whether it's that time the teacher is utilizing to better meet the needs of specific learners, that really is the the sweet spot in terms of using this model for differentiation and personalization. So a lot of times when I'm working with a teacher and we're designing a whole group lesson rotation, um, we're we're thinking about, okay, if we start offline, right, the kids have just come into the class, maybe it is an access prior knowledge activity. We want students to think about what they already know about something, have a chat with their classmates, or maybe we want to present small groups to wrestle with an unfamiliar problem, task, or challenge to kind of pique their interest. Then we shift them to the online learning moment where, again, hopefully we're acknowledging that lecture, mini lesson, it creates a lot of barriers for learners in terms of accessing that information. So can we potentially provide some pathways for learners to explore new information online, right? Like I said, text or video, podcasts. And for some students, we might have students who because of their language skills, might not do well with any of those pathways. So then maybe the teacher pulls students whose English isn't as, you know, isn't going to help them or isn't going to allow them to be super successful with the video that's been selected or maybe the text. So maybe they're pulling those students for a much more kind of differentiated, scaffolded experience with the teacher while the rest of the class that feels comfortable choosing one of these other pathways can learn that way, right? And then maybe we bring them offline after they've had a chance to kind of self-pace through this new information. And we give them different ways to kind of process that information. Do you want to go to this side of the room and 
choose a graphic organizer or concept map to kind of collect your thinking after watching that video or listening to that podcast or reading that article? Or do you want to join a small group discussion because you're super extroverted and you love to chat things out, right? I want to start customizing these experiences so that all learners feel like they have opportunities to engage with information, process information, transfer this new learning in a way that works for them. And it's easier to do when we kind of release control and build these experiences that allow the teacher to support individual and small groups and utilize online technology and online tools and technology strategically to provide those flexible pathways that are differentiated or personalized. Oh, and you did touch on this a little bit, but this, so it's, it's building agency into the whole group rotation. So these are some ideas how to build agency into a whole group rotation. Any other ideas on for teachers on how to do that? Well, one of the things I talked about in an or in a podcast a while ago was when we talk about giving students agency and choice in a lesson, teachers get really overwhelmed, right? right. Like they're already transitioning to maybe this new blended learning model. And then Catlin and Noel are like, hey, give them meaningful choice. And that's daunting. So right. I always remind them it doesn't have to be a ton of choices. It doesn't have to be a choice board. It could simply be a would you rather do this or yeah. would you rather do that, right? If you self-paced through a video lesson or an interactive website about graphing, and then you're going to go offline and practice graphing, that maybe that's an option. Maybe somebody else is like, I like using Desmos and the graphing calculator on Desmos. So it's like, that's a simple choice. Do you want to go from kind of acquiring this new information in a video or a teacher-led session and then graph on paper? Or do you want to graph online? Or, okay, you're transitioning into a reading activity. Do you want to take traditional annotations and notes? Or do you want to draw sketch notes? Like Just building in these options and choices that allow students to approach a task in a way that feels more comfortable can really boost those feelings of confidence in their ability to be successful. And a lot of those choices don't actually demand a lot from us as the teacher. To give students. And I think that's the thing that's tricky, right? Is like we think of choice as being this really time consuming thing to give students, but ultimately, even small choices make a big difference. No, absolutely. And it gives ownership for the students as well. And so mm-hmm. you do see, again, more buy in for mm-hmm. students when they do have that ownership. Would you rather do this or would you rather do that? I really do like the would you rather because it, it does seem so simple. Yes. It does seem very, very simple. And I feel like it it builds into UDL as well by giving mm-hmm. students that choice on their learning, their path of their learning. Absolutely. So I love that. I know I've seen teachers use um, maybe after the students watch a video or they read an article, like, would you rather write a paragraph explaining this question that I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you, or would you rather just record your voice? Mm-hmm. And so uh, kids, some you would think all of them would choose a record, but some of them want to write it. Mm-hmm. So, but just right there gives them more buy-in and more ownership out of their product and their work. And that confidence is being built. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of secondary teachers who have spent years and years designing that whole group teacher-led lesson, right? Write an agenda on the board and then you just kind of march your class through it and you spend the entire class period up at the front of the room orchestrating the parts of that lesson, transferring information. And they never get to have those real interactions with small groups and individual students. And this is kind of a nice model to kind of start their blended learning journey because it's not radically different from what they've they've done in the past, it does require more intentionality in terms of what are those 
activities that we are going to pull into an offline mode? And should it be individual? Could it be collaborative? What are kids doing online? How am I going to use that online time? And so for secondary teachers who are feeling a little daunted but interested in blended learning, I think this can be a really nice on-ramp for them. It's also great, as you and I know, when teachers are being asked to work with a curriculum that has already got all the pieces in place, they can sometimes feel like, well, I can't do blended learning because my curriculum is written in a very linear whole group way. And it's like, yeah, almost all curriculum is written in a whole group linear way because we're just really starting to branch out into blended learning, I think, as a (laughs) educational system. Especially in secondary. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, if you want to use a blended learning model with whatever your specific curriculum is, start bringing a critical eye to, okay, here's my curriculum. Instead of like maybe, you know, following it to the T, what pieces could be offline individual? What could be offline collaborative? What would be individual online or or a collaborative online? If kids were working at this online part of the program, how might I differ? differentiate? How might I personalize using data from the program to identify students who have specific needs, who are falling behind, or you know, really nudge students to go further who are excelling and having a lot of success? I think when we start to look at that curriculum, not like, oh, I'm trapped. I have to follow it every word. But we start to think about it through this lens of a whole group rotation, um, giving students choice, figuring out how we support small groups or individual learners along the way. I think this one also pairs really nicely for teachers with an established curriculum. I agree with you. And I also I think like whole group rotation is a great uh, entryway to something like station rotation. And I know One thing that I learned from you when I was a coach and working with you, uh, you mentioned like having a list of toolbox, like having a toolbox. So once you try something, add it to your toolbox list. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, you can go back to it and say like, oh yeah, that worked really, really well. But when you're playing with those curriculums, because as an instructional coach, that was always teachers like, you know, when you hear fidelity, (laughs) when you hear teaching with fidelity, you do as a, as a teacher, you have that like, oh, I have to follow this lock and step, Mm -hmm. but you really don't. It's Mm -hmm. just, we still want to use the program and use the curriculum that the district paid for, but how can you take some of those pieces and make them an experience for your students? Yes. And I loved, I, I did, I created like a toolbox, like as I was working with other teachers um, and we were cr- looking at the curriculum and finding these activities. I created a document that said, like, here, here's something you can do with the curriculum that's still being faithful to the curriculum, but at mm-hmm. the same time, like bringing in blended learning. And it was very yes. effective. And honestly, it was things that I would share with other teachers and they liked it and they used it all the time. So yeah. I do, I really do like whole group rotation. I really feel like it can make the curriculum might seem dry when you're looking at maybe like the lesson plans or whatever it is mm-hmm. um, into something that's really engaging for kids. Yeah. And I love what you said about this can be a nice on-ramp to these other models because I right. absolutely agree, especially in the beginning of the year. I remember eventually I was just like, whatever, day one, you're going through a station rotation because I want you to know that's what we're, right. these one of the models we're using in here. But for a teacher who's not quite ready to dive yeah. into that model or playlist model, if you start with the, especially in the beginning of the year, you start with the whole group rotation, you start releasing tasks over to students, but you're not running a station. You might be pulling small groups or individual, but it's a little more flexible. You can kind of take a spin 
around the room. You can check in with students as they're working and kind of onboard your students to specific learning activities, get them comfortable and confident so that eventually you can kind of gradually release those into independent stations and a station rotation. Absolutely. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely love whole group rotation. I, I, I encourage all teachers, if you haven't tried it, like check it out, check out what Catlin has on it, but it really is fantastic. And I, I saw some very successful lessons with some teachers. That's wonderful. Yeah. No. So, well, thank you. You came in, you worked with them and they took it and ran with it. It, That makes me very happy when (laughs) teachers implement after a training or workshop. That's like the best compliment I get. It's true. (laughs) Uh, So I have a fun question for you. Okay. So let's say maybe under the age of like 12, what was your favorite TV show or movie growing up? Oh my goodness. Like something that you really liked and had to go home and watch. I don't know that I was ever into a show. I, my dad was kind of militant about TV uh, after school. and But I had a love affair with the Pippi Longstocking movie. <laughs> I think I watched that movie close to 50 times before I was 12. So definitely <laughs> that movie. Maybe Parent Trap was like a oh, you know yeah. the, the Haley Mills original. Yes. That was probably a close second. But those I are definitely that movies that I loved. I love. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Thank you all for uh, joining us for this conversation. And if you have any questions that you want to add to a future Ask Catlin episode, you can find me at Catlin underscore Tucker on Twitter or at Catlin Tucker on Instagram. So thank you guys. Thank you, Noah. And we'll be back for another episode soon.